My name's Steve. I have the, the privilege of leading the church here. And this morning, um, what I have to, to share is actually um, bringing something practical to go alongside the spiritual stuff from um, the last couple of weeks. And the Christian life involves a mixture of the, what we might see as the spiritual and the practical. You know, there are twin errors that we can drift into. One is thinking that the whole of life is about you know, the spiritual, as if we don't have a body, and the other is to just get on and be practical and to forget that though our feet are planted on earth, we're, you know, we're made for heaven. And actually, those two things need to come together. That's why in our the services like this morning, we spend time worshiping God. Then there are some announcements and notices, and that's not just a distraction from all that God's doing in our lives, but those, those different things come together. And what I'm going to be sharing this morning is more about vision for the church, but getting quite practical with it. So I'd like to pray, uh, and I hope that you're saying amen to this. Pray that God would just help us to join those things together. Because as Keith said at the end of our time of sung worship and prophesying and praise, like we need to end this now and we need to do... Sometimes it can feel like they're different things and we need God's help to see them join together. So, Father, help us. We pray. Lord, we want to step into all that you have for us. And I pray that those who are really spiritually minded, um, but sometimes struggle to see things concretely, would be helped by your spirit this morning to land ideas into acts of obedience. And I pray for those who are just waiting to know what to do practically, to be saved from the temptation of beavering away in our own strength, but to involve you in everything, to look to you for strength for everything. And Lord, may your love about which we've sung continue to uh, overflow and overwhelm us as we consider our future together. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the slide that I had a couple of weeks ago, OCC, Oxford, it took a little while for this pun to drop, I could see it dropping after periods of time in people's minds two weeks ago, Oxford Community Church, OCC, what do we see? It really matters what we see. What we see affects our choices. What we can, um, what God has revealed to us of the future shapes what we do. And last week, I'm going to just Um, sorry, two weeks ago, I'm just going to run through this quickly. I listed off a whole bundle of things over the last 15 years that God had spoken to us about, given us as visions, which then became reality, the place where we are, a church in Blackbird Lees, a church in Paris, a new primary school, fresh development in the north of the county, and some, some changes in leadership as well. Things about which God spoke to us and then they became reality because we heard him and we responded with faith. We prayed and asked God to speak to us. And then when he spoke, we said, we believe, God, that you've spoken. It's not just a random thought that's occurred, but you've spoken to us. And as we responded with faith, uh, we cooperated with God and we've seen some amazing things happen. The question now, then, is what's God saying, not just to each of us as individuals, but what is God saying to us as a church? 
And of course, lots of praying goes on and people reach out to hear what God has to say. And the words that we have heard, the guidance that we've had from God, uh, again and again over the last few years has not been some grand new project. Who likes grand new projects? I do. Exciting, big thing, shiny, preferably. Uh, But that's not what God's been saying to us. What God has been saying instead is it's about small acts of obedience. It's about little things that add up. And we've had this word about building brick on brick. There is going to be a Lego theme this morning that's going to emerge a little bit. You will have Lego bricks in your hands before you leave the building. There's a little Lego thing happening. Maybe that's cheered some people up. So... This um, direction from the Lord about a season of building brick on brick, small acts of obedience, reminds us um, of Peter's first epistle, 1 Peter 2 verse 5. He says that we like living stones, he says you also actually, like living stones, speaking to Christians, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. This small act of obedience, this brick on brick. It's about us being joined together and something amazing happening as we are joined as people. Another apostle of the New Testament, Paul, wrote to the church in Philippi, which was a Roman colony. Um, That is to say that when Roman soldiers of a certain rank got too old to fight, one of the options was to go and join a a Roman colony somewhere nice. One of those was Philippi. They could go to Philippi, which was in Greece, but there speak Latin, eat proper Roman food, and carry on the Roman way of life in a foreign land, like a retirement village for soldiers. But a colony of Rome, a colony of Rome. And writing to the church in Philippi, Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 3 and from verse 20. We, he says, speaking to the church, we are a colony. We are a colony of heaven. And we wait for the saviour who comes from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body that belongs to our lower state till it resembles the body of his glory. That church is a colony of heaven. Uh, I had a picture about this. Um, This is Chinatown in London. It's just another place where the culture and ways of doing things from one place have been transported and are being lived out in another place. It's not quite a colony. It doesn't have its own government and border police. Uh, But it's the same sort of a thing that culture from one place is taken and lived out somewhere else. And that's what the church is meant to be. Our privilege as Christians is to bring the culture of our motherland to this place, to bring heaven to earth. That's our privilege. We get to enjoy the blessings of heaven together and for those blessings to be shared with those around us. And so if we think of the city that we live in and consider what's God's plan for this city, what's God got in mind for this city, it's 
of a city. It's a city where there's, there's a colony of heaven to be found wherever you turn. There's a colony of heaven, a church community on, on every bus route, in every city ward, alongside every school, every college. A colony for every ethnic or language group in the city, in every significant workplace. A colony of heaven. With Trevor and Anne, um, what drives them is love for the people of Jericho. Now, if you don't know the geography of Oxford particularly, it does confuse people sometimes. We're talking about Jericho. Like, that's a long way away. She's not. It's about a mile and a half that, in that direction. Jericho's a part of the city in Oxford. Trevor and Anne's hearts beat with a love for the people in Jericho. And for many years, there wasn't a church there that they could join in with to reach the people of Jericho. The last few years, a new thing's got started. And there's an opportunity for them to be part of a colony of heaven in Jericho, bringing heaven to earth in that little bit of earth that is Jericho in Oxford. It's an exciting thing. So in order to try to bring that down to what are we doing as a church, we have this little phrase, for the coming year. For the coming year, we will maintain a focus on growing communities that bring heaven to earth. You're going to hear that phrase a lot. I hope that as time goes by, um, you get a a sort of knee-jerk reaction to this phrase, which isn't, oh, not that again. I hope that knee-jerk reaction doesn't develop. I hope that the knee-jerk reaction is we need to pray about that. Growing communities that bring heaven to earth, we need to pray. We need to pray as Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So last, so I I did, that was what I spoke about um, two weeks ago. And then those of you who are here will remember that John and Nom Bilson from Paris now, who had been here, sent to Paris and have planted a church there, then explained a little bit of what that looks like for them as they seek to grow communities around Paris. Um, Last week, Steve Thomas spoke about the Holy Spirit, which was good. The Holy Spirit, without whom no heavenly vision ever comes on the earth. And as I said just a few minutes ago as I got started, this week I'm going to be a bit more specific and practical because the spiritual and the practical go together like bread and butter. They're meant to be together. And so I've got four words uh, that land what this means practically. And here's the first word. It's at the top there. Invest. Invest. If we are going to grow communities that bring heaven to earth, we need to invest, and particularly invest in relationships. Invest in relationship with God, that we would be uh, alive in him, overflowing with his love, and with one another. Uh, Two weeks ago, when John Bilson was speaking, I don't know how many of you really took on board what he said when he said God had spoken to him about if he was going to be engaged in an apostolic endeavor, then he needed to learn to pray appropriately. And so he started praying two hours a day. Uh, I don't know how many of you heard that. I don't know how many of you knew John before he went to Paris and how that was, you know, he's always had a heart for God, but that kind of determined seeking of God is a step change 
for him. And uh, it's a little bit intimidating. It was quite encouraging when he also said of his wife, Nom, well, she, she'd love to be able to do it, but God's not spoken that particular word to her. And I thought, oh, that's good then. That gives us all a get-out clause, doesn't it? <laughs> None of us have heard that word from the Lord. Phew. But actually, I also hope that John's own diligent response to God's word, when God spoke to him about praying two hours a day, he started and has continued. I hope that that was a challenge that landed with with many of us. Because however long we've been walking with God, that walk can be refreshed and it can go further and it can go deeper. I know that a lot of people were refreshed um, through a message that I shared and that Helen Hitwell joined me in sharing probably six weeks ago about speaking in tongues and the importance of speaking in tongues and the power of it. And I know that there's a whole number of us who have refreshed the use of that gift and found refreshing in God, invested more in the relationship with God through it. Um, what Stella shared with us about overflowing was something else that has been mentioned here on uh, in recent Sundays, that rather than living with our tank of spiritual resources more or less empty as a default, and then when something challenging is about to happen, topping it up, asking God for help, fill me, fill me, Lord, I've got a challenging thing, fill me, fill me, <gasps> it's done. I can live near empty again for a bit. <laughs> but instead of that, we'd live life full, which practically means that after having done the challenging thing, we take some time to be in the Lord's presence again and to be refreshed in him. That's where I'm at at the moment. I'm, I have been uh, asking God and thinking quite a bit about how can I end my days better so that I don't collapse into bed having done all that that day demanded I'm sorry some people think I'm speaking about my impending death which was not what I meant to communicate at all each day thank you this is, it's good to be team uh, how I can end each day yeah uh, what was I saying Full of the because I'm fed up. I am fed up of collapsing into bed at the end of the day, thinking, "Well, I've done all that today involved." <sighs> Thank you, Lord. Clunk. And then waking up the next day, feeling weary. And I believe there's something I. This is what God's speaking to me about at the moment. That I can end my day with a bit of worship. And I can end my day with prayer. And I'm learning what kind of prayer I need to do before I go to bed. There's some kinds of praying that don't work just before you're going to bed. And I'm having to learn a new pattern of prayer that is a going to bed kind of praying. It's just another little skill in life that I haven't had. But it's enabling me to live life a little bit fuller a little bit closer to the overflow. Other people, have, I know, are continuing to use a booklet that we produced a few years ago, the Breathe booklet that we prepared that gave guidance for praying at each mealtime during the day. Others here get a 
daily devotional appear in their email inbox. Some people are digging deeper into theology. One way or another, investing more in a relationship with God. What all of those things have in common is a Bible reading and prayer, of course. Of course, that's what it involves. They all take time. But we aren't going to grow communities that bring heaven to earth unless we're investing in relationship with our heavenly father. It's just not going to happen. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, you will bear much fruit if you abide in me. Abiding is a sort of slow word, isn't it? Jesus didn't say, you'll bear much fruit if you check in with me. It's a slow thing, is abiding. Uh, it takes a, bit of, takes a bit of time. So Jesus says, you'll bear much fruit if you abide in me. And then in verse 10 of that same chapter, he says, you'll abide in me if you keep my commandments. You think, well, that's a bit legalistic, Jesus. But verse 12 explains what he means particularly. Because he said, it says in verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another. And he points out to us that there's a link between abiding in him and loving one another, loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. Somehow those two things come together. And so this investment that is needed, it's not invest on the one hand in relationship with God and then, oh, there's his people as well. Somehow these things connect together. The love that God gives us connects us with others in whom he's also pouring out his love. And so the next thing here is about investing with God's people. And I've got a few little bullet points about investing in community just to be as clear as I can. Firstly, let's be clear that community is different to having lots of meetings. Um, churches sometimes are known as expert at meetings. That's what we do. You know, we, have it, we gave you a diary this morning <laughs> telling you when all the meetings are. You know, it takes up a whole half of all that we communicated on paper this morning. And there's another leaflet which is about a meeting next week. So we do meetings, but community and meetings matter, and it helps that we all know when they are and where they are and what the point is. So communicating about them is a good thing, it's not quite the same as community. The story that I know that makes this as clear as a bell comes from some friends in Leicester, the Holy Trinity Church in Leicester. And some of you will have heard this before, but it bears repeating. They had a few families in the church who had children with Down syndrome and reckoned that they could do something to be a blessing to other families with children uh, who also had Down syndrome. And so they started a cafe in which there were appropriate activities for the children, food, coffee, newspapers for the parents, and they advertised, saying, our church is putting on this cafe, family with Down syndrome, come. And they got loads of people come. They had upwards of 60 families from the city of Leicester that bought into this regular uh, opportunity for relaxation and some quality of life. Uh, After a year of doing that, 
they realized that they, the Christians, spent all of their time running around making everything happen. And that the people that came in had a lovely time and perhaps got to know each other, but that they, the Christians who'd started this with a love for people, weren't actually getting any time to know the people, which was, uh, you know, wrong. That what they'd done was start a project. They'd started a, um, a series of events, but they weren't actually forging community. They weren't getting to know people, and they made the brave choice to stop that cafe and to say to all of those who had come, Next week, we'll just be going down to the park with our kids. If you'd like to come, then come. They did that, and about 10 families joined them. And that became the start of a new thing, which was a genuine community of people whose children shared that same uh, syndrome and who had common needs and aspirations. But they became friends. They met together to eat meals that weren't all put on by the Christians for others, but together loving one another. A community is not sustained by meetings alone. A community does normal things, everyday things with other people. Uh, Community is also different to just being friendly. Uh, I spoke to someone a little while ago who met with a psychologist or psychiatrist who'd given him the one once over. Sounds like an interesting and disciplined sort of a thing to allow it to happen to you. And the main outcome that he got was being told, you know, it's wonderful that you're so friendly. The problem is that you, in your friendliness, you communicate to everyone that they're about to be your new best friend, and they're not. You're just being nice. So people think you're inviting them into community, your circle of friendship, but actually you're not offering that because you're just being, you're just being nice. You've learned to be friendly. That's different to offering genuine friendship. In the story of our own church, there was a season when, and Sally and Bev, and I think Vicky as well, it's a shame the Duns aren't here this morning because Chris loves Lego. Um, we're running Family Fun as a toddler group that's based here at the King Centre and doing it in a really friendly way. But we're all part of different house groups in the church. And so there was no community behind the toddler group. There was lots of love and prayer and friendliness. But the offers of friendship that could be given there were somewhat stilted really, inhibited by the lack of a community that would welcome the mostly mothers who brought their children to the toddler group. And so a choice was made to create a house group, we now call them communities, missional communities, that would be focused on running that toddler group so that the friendship, the the friendliness that was always there would more naturally become an offer of friendship. Come and join us as we do these other things. Come and join our community life that we're, we're living together. So community is not the same as meetings, and it's not the same as just being friendly. It has to involve some focus on a group of people as you form 
community together. So here's a few tips. Here's a few things I've ahead of the PowerPoint. Here's a different ways to invest in community. None of this is rocket science. None of this will be a surprise. You can go for a walk together. Uh, in May, Al and I spent a day walking around the Oxfordshire countryside with a few students, included a pub lunch. We built a bit of community together and really enjoyed it. Um, this is something that lots of us do, eat together. Uh, there is widespread agreement across churches that you never have really quality community in the church unless at some point it includes food. Um, it, it, it somehow never quite works. Food is an essential part of living life together. And having a meal together, is some, I hope that, f- that it's not just the students who are going to go out from here and have lunch together, but that others of us, we're not just going to retreat into our own homes, close the door and relax, but invite others in to share meals with us. Sunday lunch is a great opportunity for doing that, for investing in a relationship. You can make something. We've got a craft group going in uh, East Side, a community we have on that side of the town. I don't know if you're making something together, but certainly making things alongside each other. But that's a really growing popular thing to do, just to sit down and, and knit. Um, is I'm, I need to be careful here because I'm not a knitter and I, I don't know what the right vocabulary is, but I understand it's a great thing. And uh, you, can, you can, but making something together actually forms community. It's not just the things that get made, friendship gets made as people make things together. This is more my cup of tea. You can break something together. I'm thinking of Jacques' garage. Um, the guys in OX2 is another one of our communities and took down uh, the gays' garage together, which was brilliant because it involved lots of sledgehammering, which was a grand thing to do. And actually, that was something that guys who aren't part of the church wanted to join in with as well. So I'm much more for breaking things than making them. Making things is complicated and hard. Breaking things is fun. Uh, You can watch a film together. I think that the Stroke Support Group have gone to the cinema together. Can I get any? Is that right? Yeah, it's true, isn't it? And, and DVDs. Yeah, great. So you can build community by watching a film together. It helps if you also talk to each other before or after. If you're one of those people that talks all the way through the film, you may damage community as much as you build it. Um, you can play games together. The Snelsons who are up here and... John is running a board games group and people get together and obviously, again, there's a possibility that there's such an edge of competitiveness amongst some participants that doesn't always help community. But playing together, whether it's playing board games or playing football or whatever else you want to play, this is the stuff of community. Now, here's the thing, coming back to Trevor and Anne again, you can offer a lift to people. I've lost count of the people that Trevor and Anne have just happened to spot and need a lift to get somewhere. And I'm thinking to myself, I wonder how that person's going to get to that thing they need to get to. Oh, Trevor and Anna taking them. And it's been no surprise. Whenever I've heard that, they've been on the lookout for people that need a lift somewhere. For years, we as a church had a green travel uh, policy agreed with the council, which meant that car sharing to get to this building was unhelpful. It screwed up the statistics that we needed to submit to the council to show how environmentally concerned we truly are. Uh, But we can now share cars to get here. So 
to keep an eye out and say, I have a car, it's warm when I put the blowers on, and the winter's coming, and there are other people that are going to freeze on their way here. I could give someone lift, and we could chat in the car on the way there and on the way back, and maybe we could even end up having lunch together. There are ways, just little things that add up to building community. I will skip over the predictable patterns bit and keep going. Um, Just to summarize then, investing in relationships takes time. Some of these things with other people are things that we might be doing anyway. I'm sure we're all eating at some point. Maybe even um, playing games at some point in our lives. (laughs) They're things that we want to do or are doing anyway. It's just a question of doing it together with others rather than by ourselves. How will we grow communities that bring heaven to earth? Well, a part of it is by investing. Investing time in relationship with God and investing time in his community. That's the one thing. I said there were four words. The first one is that word invest. If we're gonna, if this is going to happen. It's actually going to happen. We need to invest. Here's the second thing. It has two words. Be bold. In Acts chapter 4... The church prayed. They prayed, Lord, consider the threats that they were facing at the time and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now the word here, for boldly and boldness comes from the idea of freedom of speech. It came originally from the city of Athens where they held the value of freedom of speech that you can say whatever you wish to say. So speaking boldly is about speaking freely. It's about being able to be honest about what we know to be true, what we have experienced, what we have seen, what we have heard. It's not, speaking boldly is not about working ourselves up to say something dramatic. It's rather about having the confidence to speak freely, even when we know there might be a hostile response. That's what being bold means. Openness frankness, honesty, speaking freely of what we know. And even when we know there there might be a hostile response. And specifically, speaking about Jesus, knowing that there might be a hostile response. That's why I think the image of a lion is so helpful. The lion doesn't have to work itself up to be brave enough to walk out into the bush. It's confident, the lion is confident that it can go anywhere because of what it is. And we've had this theme in the first part of our service this morning about God's love for us and his adopting us as his children, which means we're God's kids. And so we walk into the world with lion-like confidence that we don't have to be afraid. Whatever there might be out there, 
there might be more danger out there for us than there is in the savannah, in the African bush. But we can be confident because of what kind of creature we are. We've been made children of God. So we can go out and be ourselves and not be afraid. It's like David facing Goliath. When David turned up to the armies of Israel and the Philistines facing each other and discovered there was this huge Philistine champion called Goliath taunting the Israelites, he didn't say, well, we need to pump ourselves up a little bit. Let's have a pep talk. Let's work, you know, let's get something going here. His, his response instinctively was, who does he think he is? Who is this Philistine to defy the armies of the living God? We, he was, could say to the, his fellow Israelites, we are God's people. So who's he? That's the spirit of boldness. As the Holy Spirit communicates to us how much we're loved by God, we remember who we are, and so we can speak boldly. If the kingdom of heaven is going to come to earth, it will be through people who have been set free from fear. People born again from above, walking openly on the earth. As the Holy Spirit removes our fear and enables us to walk like lions. Being bold. Growing communities that bring heaven to earth will require investment in relationship. It will require us to be bold and courageous. And it will will involve us inviting people. Picture of a mother hen here. Jesus looks at the people of Jerusalem and says, Like a hen gathers its chicks. I wanted to gather you. Wanted you close, wanted you to be with me. When Jesus taught a parable about the kingdom once, he said it was like a feast. And in the parable, the the person responsible for putting on this feast, the person who is like God in the parable, says, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. God is a God who invites people in. He he wants his house to be full. He's bothered. He's bothered that the house isn't full Because there are other people yet to come in. And for them to come in, they need inviting. Now, some of us find this really hard. Um, Some of us find that if we invite someone to something and they say no, we just have this sinking feeling in the depths of our being that is to do with a spirit of rejection. We, We feel rejected. And it can take quite a long time for some of us to get over that. Well, it took me three weeks of, you know, determined prayer to get to a place of confidence to invite you to come to whatever it might be. And you've said no, and now I'm crushed. And it's going to take another, you know, six weeks of, you know, prayer and 
deep ministry before, you know, I can invite you to come to, you know, my next child's birthday party or whatever it may be. I mean, seriously, there are some of us who find inviting people really difficult. That has certainly been my story. I have hated inviting people to things. It's taken me quite a long time to learn what Nom shared with us a fortnight ago, but actually Jesus said 2,000 years ago in Luke chapter 10, verse 16, it's recorded for us that Jesus said, whoever listens to you listens to me, whoever rejects you rejects me. The truth is that there are some people that aren't really interested in Jesus at this point in time. And if we come confidently as God's kids and issue an invitation, they're not just reacting to us. They're also reacting to Christ in us. There's so much that we can invite people to, whether it's to things in our homes, to things we do as small groups in the church, to Sunday services like this, to special events like when Matt Redman and Carrie Joby no one seems to know how to say her second name, are coming here to lead worship in a few weeks' time on a Thursday evening. Special events. Oxford's full of special events. If you've got a friend to invite into something and you just Google like what's going on with different Christian events through the city, there's bound to be something suitable because the city's just full of people that put on those kinds of things. There's loads to invite people to. I wonder why we don't do more inviting. I think it must be quite a lot to do with the fear of rejection or the assumption that people won't say yes and the fear of how difficult that will be. It is much easier to invite people into things if we have already formed real community. If we've invested time in relationships with each other so that we're not just inviting people into an event, but we're inviting people to come and be with my friends, where that friendship is genuine, that's a really different thing and a lot easier. So those are the three things in four words. Invest, be bold, and invite. And at this point, as I was preparing, I thought to myself, wow, don't we really, really need God? Because if we're going to invest in relationships in a new way, it will actually be a whole new pattern of life. It will involve breaking old habits. I need to break the habit of watching some catch-up TV late at night before I collapse into bed and form a new habit of praying in a new way. It's a habit that I won't find easy to change. And for all of us, investing afresh in our relationship with God, our relationships with others, will involve changes in the pattern of life. I asked Graham to pray about this morning, and as soon as he prayed, had this phrase come to mind about a new way of life. And I think this is where the rubber hits the road. It won't just happen. This investment that we can make, it won't just happen. Church, it will need God's help to change us, to form new patterns of life. Being bold, that won't just happen. The timid don't just start roaring. But when the Holy Spirit enables us, then we'll speak the word of God boldly. We need God's help. 
And this thing about invitation, I think, comes back right back to the first part of our meeting and adoption. We have a. We need to be secure. We, we need to be spiritually, emotionally, relationally secure to be confident in inviting people in. So that because rejection will come, people will, not everybody wants to come to everything we do. It will happen. We need enough personal security that we're not knocked by that rejection. And that secure knowledge, that confidence in our relationship with God is a Holy Spirit thing. It's how Keith started the meeting, reading from Romans 8. There's a, the Spirit that causes us to cry out, Abba, Father. So this is where the Lego comes in. Um, there are some baskets that are about to be handed around. They've got three different kinds of Lego in. They are these three colours. Um, what I would like you to do, you, you, you'll just need a moment of explanation before they start coming around, is because we're serious about actually doing this, rather than just talking about it, um, what I'd like you to do is to have a little think. Don't send the baskets around yet. Just have a little think. These three things, invest, be bold, invite, they were spoken about two weeks ago. Just like you to have a little think. Which of those three things have you uh, done? since then since these were spoken about two weeks ago which of these things have you done have you invested time in relationships with God or in the church have you been bold have you invited anyone to anything and when the baskets come by I'd just like you to pick out the relevant coloured Lego blocks so you might have all three full house well done you um, it might be a couple, it might be just one. Honestly, it might be nothing. You might say, I wasn't here two weeks ago. First I knew about it, not did any of that. Fine. It might be that you were here two weeks ago and thought, yeah, I know, but you preach about all kinds of stuff. I didn't realise we were actually going to follow through. <laughs> so, you know, let's just be honest. But as these baskets come by, give, can we just give everyone just another minute to think about it? Think back over the last, what, what on earth has happened in the last couple of weeks? Have we actually done any of this stuff? And then when the baskets come by, grab the relevant coloured bits of Lego. Okay. What we're going to do in just a moment uh, is pray. Uh, we're going to pray in two ways. For those of you that are taking out bits of Lego, um, we're just going to pray a prayer of thankfulness. And say, so, well, praise God. We can only do any of these things by his grace. So if anyone's got any Lego in their hands, it's just something to thank God for. It's not that they're brilliant. It's not that any one of us is brilliant, but God is amazing, and we want to thank him. For those who are... Um, empty-handed, we're going to pray a different kind of prayer. We're going to pray that God would empower and enable and do whatever he needs to do to um, enable us all to do these things together. And then the Lego's all going somewhere, which I'll explain in a minute as well. You don't get to take it home. Okay. I think we're just about there. So if you... Um, let's just close our eyes because we're going to pray and if you've got some Lego in your hands maybe you could just hold it, hold your hands open um, and just hold the Lego in your hands open before the Lord and 
Um, Father, thank you for what this represents. Thank you that uh, we don't only gather together here, but we, as we live our lives out in the week, um, you're with us. And we're all about the same kind of stuff. Whether we're at work or with family, in the community, college or school, wherever it may be, Lord, you're with us. And the things that you're speaking to us, we can all do day by day. And I thank you for this testimony, for all that these little bits of plastic represent. I thank you for the small acts of obedience that they represent, the little nudges of the Holy Spirit that have been responded to. But I pray that those who are holding these things now would uh, rightly feel pleased that, that they're responding to you and grateful to be part of something that you're building. And Lord, we pray for more. We pray for more, Lord, for all of those, those small acts of obedience to be bold, that they will be followed up with other small acts, but that are even bolder <laughs> and more regular and stronger and with greater outcome for more invitations and for more time spent in relationship. Lord, we thank you for all of this and we honour you in Jesus' name. Amen. And then I'd like to ask for those who have empty hands, just to hold your hands out as well. Let's keep our eyes closed. Just hold out empty hands, and I'm going to pray that God would fill us, not just with Lego, but with his spirit. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Lord. Lord, we hold out empty hands as a sign of our desire to receive from you. We come to you with nothing. We thank you that you promise us so many blessings. None greater than to relate to you, to be accepted by you, to walk with you, loved as your children. Father, send your spirit, we pray. Send your spirit to bring those blessings home. Send your spirit to communicate deep to deep in us that we are loved. There's no fear of abandonment. We're secure in you. We're your kids. We can walk like lions. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you don't hold back, but you come quickly to us when we ask. I pray that Stella read from the scriptures earlier, you'd fill us to overflowing, not just a little dribble in the bottom. Fill us, Lord, and fill us, and fill us, and fill us, until we're overflowing. And Lord, when what we've given has been poured out, fill us afresh. And fill us afresh. Lord, I pray for a week filled with your presence. Heavy with the dew of your presence, Lord God. May we be a people of your presence. A people who walk closely with you. Enable us to obey. We pray. 
not as a heavy burden, but as an easy yoke. Enable us to obey, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, good. Um, This is in the foyer. Uh, It's a big Lego thing. And it says on it, add a brick of what you did in the last week. Well, it's been the last fortnight. But those of you who've got Lego bricks, when you go out to tea and coffee, stick them on there. And then that is going to be there week in, week out in the coming months. There's going to be Lego to pick up and add to it week in, week out in the coming months. So that every time you come, you go, I I had a moment of boldness this week. You can stick a red Lego thing on it. And what we're going to see over the months that follow is a testimony building of how we're actually doing what God said to us to do. Small act of obedience, building brick on brick until we become a Lego church. And uh, we can start this week. There is no architectural plan for what will develop. It will evolve. So those of you that start can set the foundations in place for what, what will arise from it in the months to come. Um, I think I'm done. <laughs>